So we are here at Adam's studio today. Uh, we are on set, on location, out of uh, out of our typical podcast studio, uh, and decided to come and visit Adam's studio. So here Thanks. we are. That was lonely. I'm yeah. You guys Thanks for hosting us, Adam. Yeah. Thanks for hosting us, and we're going to uh, plug in the protein today and dial in some sounds and talk about it uh, in a practical way, whilst also playing the protein mm. imagine that imagine that i don't know what that even means imagine that if yeah. we had a podcast where we actually played the guitar as well uh it's it's a radical concept uh, it's new nobody's ever done this before uh but here we here we are we like to it. think of ourselves as groundbreaking <laughs> that's right so uh we have the protein on the table uh so dave talk about the blue side just before we were hitting record you're talking about the reason why what reason you had for really putting the blue side into this pedal well one of the things that i loved about the blue side is it seemed to have the ability to turn any amp into a raging vox like i love all the u2 records and lanois stuff where he's running an ac30 really really hot um and i typically play more clean fenders and adam typically plays more clean fenders and marshall kind of voice stuff and so you've got this great fat you know thing going on but you turn this on and you get you know a lot of really cool chime but if you it really cuts and it really um kind of takes up a sonic space that i really dig and i really wanted that out of an overdrive so that's what i love about the blue side yeah, uh, when I was dealing with uh, all the you know inconsistent backline stuff, I always felt it was safer to have a Fender amp because they just mm -hmm. seemed to be a little more consistent, a little more reliable, and I loved it. Um, and they're such great pedal platforms, but I did miss being able to get when I wanted that box AC30 chime. So I would tend to dial up my my Fender amps maybe a little darker than I would want. Right. And I in an ideal environment. I would dial the amp in, you know, just exactly how I want and then add the drive pedals to it. But I would kind of play it safe, keep that fender kind of clean, maybe a little darker, and then use that blue side to give that Vox crane, yeah. as you had said. And yeah. it, it seemed to work great as far as being consistent. I knew I could get that sound or somewhere as close to what I wanted uh, pretty much most of the time. It makes it sit really well in a in a band mix when you're playing higher chords or, you know, higher rhythm kind of stuff and you can do you know chords with triads and and what and i feel like you can the notes are actually they don't bleed together as much yeah which i liked it didn't kind of become i don't know mushy right or something like the that. triads and the dyads and the minotaurs all sit really well together <laughs> so with this right. pedal. do you want to show maybe some different settings on the blue side uh, and play through it or maybe you want to dial it in adam well i mean i one thing i'd mentioned to you is i i love that it will do the kind of that John Mayer thing as well, which makes it really diverse. I don't know, what, what would you say, Dave, as far as, is it the fact that it lets all the chord tones through that kind of lets you do some of the more complex chords without it it's becoming just got a, a mush? It's got a top-end clarity that just kind of lets you hear everything without stuff bleeding together too bad. And it's real clear.
mess with it. Because <laughs> obviously, it's, is that your favorite setting right there? I mean, there? that's kind of where I tend to run it. I think I tend to run it maybe. I tend to run it right there. It's not doing a whole lot, honestly. You know, you've got your... It's just barely adding a little bit of clipping. But it adds a real nice texture and color to it. And then I tend to like to run this one with the drive up a bit for a pretty... Like a bigger, fatter got that section of the song where you need to add the big power chords in and fill in that space it does that really well but then you know with it set like that it's still not collapsing sounds beautiful Still pretty, lots of clarity. So you guys mentioned that one of the things you went after was to make sure that everything sounds really good at noon. So you want to you want to show us what it sounds like at noon? I mean, we weren't far from there, but the idea being that I mean, the blue side has tons of output. I mean, you could really blow up an amp with the amount of output this thing has. I mean, not actually blow up an amp, but in the best possible you can way, really hit the front end of a amp really hard. You could really hit the front end of an amp really hard with the blue side because it has tons of output, and you can clip your amp with that. But you know, Unity gains about halfway. That was the idea. That's green side at noon. It really needs the gain up a little bit or the level up a little bit to balance. But it also has enough output that even with the gain all the way down, you can still achieve more than unity gain. One thing too, uh, the reason I think we liked conceptually, in addition to just being OCD, like having everything at noon, having it work, is uh, I was actually watching one of the Tim Pierce master classes, and he was talking about people ask him settings on his pedals, and it's just so interactive with the amp, the guitar. I mean, mm -hmm. there's really no such thing as a setting. It might sound great with my Les Paul, and I plug in my Strat, and I'm gonna have to have to tweak it. So having the controls sound good all the way through to me just meant that I was more confident that I could get the same sound depending on the amp or the guitar 
Uh, and like it might look different, but just using my ear to dial it in, that broad range of flexibility is what allowed it to work for me. Yeah, we definitely were after um, no unusable sounds in the pedal. I mean, obviously, t if you turn all the knobs all the way down, that would be, it's essentially a mute switch. But <laughs> um, we really tried to make it to where it was usable throughout the spectrum. <laughs> Now that, uh, you know, is boosting a lot of frequencies. That's that active tone control, so. And so what's the, the tone side on the blue side? How does that interact with the, the blue side? So the blue side's got a lot of top end. And so you can really bring a lot of top end in, but because it's so interactive with the gain control, if you're just using it for mostly a clean boost, So there I've got the gain all the way down. Sorry, I'm clipping things over here. So there's clean. Just clean boost. And the tone is all the way up. throws his sticks. Yeah. That's it. I'm out of here. It's fat. It's fat and happy. So the other thing we talked about, you guys mentioned a lot, is the secret third channel, which is both of them, right? Together. We can't talk about that. We can't talk um, about the secret third channel. That's yeah, not, I mean that's, that's what I was. A secret. That's what I was showing a minute ago. Like if the if the blue side is 
not doing crazy amounts of gain, which the blue side does have a fair amount of gain. But. Using the blue side like I typically would for a light overdrive. Then, uh, if the green side is turned on, they just stack really well together. And the whole point was that uh, I stacked a lot of overdrives and they would get mushy and you lose, you know, it can be cool, but they compress in a weird way or they get mushy. And so for me, the point of being able to use the two together and to have it not fall apart or fall in on itself was a big, a big part of it. That's, that's a good bit of gain. So today we have a pretty generic clean sound dialed in. It's kind of dark. Nothing crazy magical about it. And then when you turn on the blue side of the protein, it just adds a little bit of a little bit of chime, a little bit of grit. When you dig in, you can kind of hear it break up just a little bit. But what I like about it is even when it breaks up, you can still hear all of those chord notes, even if you're doing, you know, some more complex chords with some dissonant, dissonant things in there, you don't really lose any of it. And even if I turn the gain up more, I can still kind of do that kind of stuff. So that was kind of my always on setting really with the with the protein was just a little bit of breakup into a pretty generic sounding clean amp. And it just kind of always works for me. If I go to the bridge pickup, it definitely gets chimier. But even with all that added top end, it's still really musical and not too bright for me. So that's kind of how I tend to do the blue side. And uh, if I didn't need that much breakup, sometimes I would just kick it on to add a little bit of, I don't know, maybe a little bit of low end tightness or something if I was gonna be on a neck pickup and kind of do some. It just kind of adds a little, a little magic to what could be a really generic clean pedal platform. With the blue side, I would leave it on a lot of the times because no matter what I did with the amps, I just wasn't ever happy with a lot of the backline. It wasn't magical. And I guess you could say in an ideal, perfect world setting, your amp would be dialed in to be magical. So when you don't have any pedals on, it sounds great. And then every pedal you add is just kind of adding some flavor to it. But when some of the backline was inconsistent, I would leave that blue side on to try to just get that almost basic amp tone yeah. and then use the green side to um, give me any added gain or volume or whatnot um, in addition to that. So then rather than like trying to order Voxes or matchlesses and then ending up with amps that hadn't been maintained or just didn't sound good or work right, um, 
or you or you couldn't turn them up. I mean, you yeah. know, if you get a couple of AC30s running in stereo and they sound super amazing, um, that's awesome. But the amount of times that you order backline AC30s and get good AC30s is unfortunately uh, way less than I would like. You would know that more than me. Uh, I kind of stumbled on it over time. You know, I get a Vox style amp, Fender style amp, and you know, half the time the the Vox style amps were awesome, but that was only half the time. And a lot of the times I would end up just using one amp, which was the Fender, because that just seemed to be more consistent. So just trying to get a really usable clean tone, which sounds kind of uninspiring, but when you kick on something uh, like the blue side of the protein, then I was able to kind of add almost uh, the sprinkles to that yeah. basic pedal platform. And that's kind of how I would use the protein if the amp wasn't great. If I couldn't get that really awesome clean tone, then I would leave the blue side on pretty much most of the time and use the green side as kind of a something to give me some more drive for leads or single note stuff or big chords. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so you if, you, if you get a, a Vox uh, that's biased right, they can sound fantastic. And the mattresses are biased crazy hot, which is why they sound so good, but they eat through tubes. And if you don't have good fresh tubes in there and the amp's not maintained, then you have just have a terrible sounding amp instead of a magical sounding amp. Yes, and act actually, I think there was a live record I was doing and I might've texted you or something, but they had really nice and they had gotten us some great Vox style backline. We had done a couple weeks of pre-production and the amps were just left on all day, 12 hours a day. And we kept blowing through tubes and we finally just got some fenders and I let the other uh, guitar player use my backup protein and we were, we were really happy with it. We didn't have to spend any more time swapping out tubes. And sometimes depending on the amp, I would use the green side instead of the blue side to just leave on all the time, especially if the amp needed more low end to it, because uh, that green side adds a really nice low range kind of boost in a way that's not too flubby. So I would turn the, the level up all the way on the green side and the drive, I'd say all the way off, but not exactly, just kind of wherever I needed to balance out those two controls. So if we go back to a really generic clean sound, <laughs> I just kicked on the green side and obviously you're getting a bit of a volume boost there, but even if I take that down to a little more to unity. It still kind of just fattens it up and uh, one thing that you can't quantify is sometimes things just feel better to play. <laughs> no one else could maybe tell, but if it feels better to play, I feel like I'll probably play better. So when I have that green side on with really low drive, it does something in the low end that makes it, it tightens it up, makes it a little fatter and makes me want to play, which then I always tend to play better when I, when I want to play. So then I would leave that green side on and just kind of keep, you know, drive pretty low, find the sweet spot depending on the amp you're using. And then I would add the blue side as kind of that next level. Try to keep everything at unity here. Yeah, just get a little bit more drive. And then you can still hear a lot of those, you know, tones in the chords. And 
nothing gets too mushy or blurry. And that was kind of it's kind of how I set up the protein most of the time. Well, I you know one of the reasons I like the protein in the studio is I I would always have these very idealistic things or ideas that would what the studio was like. You get to spend all this time setting up your tones and dialing in this this perfect thing. But a lot of times you're moving really fast. You got records to finish, you're working on multiple projects in a day. And I just need something that I could turn on and I would like how it sounds. And so the same reason that I loved it on the road, because I knew I could get a consistent sound. That's why I love it in the studio, because I don't have to spend all this time trying to get it to fit with whatever amp I happen to be playing or whatever guitar. Uh, you know, I'm gonna adjust the volume and the drive a little bit on each channel to, to get there, but I just kind of leave it on all the time. If I have a great amp, I get the luxury of, you know, maybe letting that green side have some more gain on it. Uh, where if I had to use it to fix an amp, you know, that channel's taken up, which is, I need to have two proteins so I can stack them even if I have a bad amp. But I get the luxury of kind of getting some higher gain stuff when I'm in the studio because I'm not using one of those channels to fix something that, that isn't working for me. So uh, I'm sitting here with Adam. Yep. We have a reissue green pedal. Reissue green, yes, just generic. Which is, uh, it's different than the original one that I had, I believe, because it seems like the drive is less and the EQ is a little different, but it's a nice pedal. I like yeah. it. We had an oversight because I actually have the original one mm -hmm. that you had gotten that we started modifying. It's heavily modified. Heavily modified. <laughs> because that's the one we were working on and I did not think about it. We were going to ABM and then we were going to ABM them. and they were the same. They were the same because we have modified it and it is it is this right here. So it's definitely it's falling uh, apart. It's falling apart. The top is uh, definitely, but it sounds great. It does sound great. But I, I failed for sure. Think I don't know why I thought we could AB the one we already modified to the <laughs> to the protein. But we have so the reissue now. So here we go. Thoughts. It's been a long time since we've played the... Um, I like it. It's a little murky. Um, yes. And I, it's got some low end that I don't need. Yes. And if you're listening on an iPhone, you'll probably notice all of that low end <laughs> that we're talking about. Put your but, headphones on. Yeah. Put your headphones on. Yes. That's what I was, I was noticing because we talked about this where I love the low end ads, but if I try to brighten it up enough to kind of get some note definition. Yeah, it gets strident. Yes. Strident. And we're playing, we're playing know, through nice amps. I actually don't even know what that word Ice means. Ice picky. Ice picky, painful, strident. Painful I'm gonna, highs. I'm going to Google that later. Yes, it's, so I always had to pick. Do I want it to be 
chunky and then brighten it up somewhere else, which we had mentioned the session guys do that. A lot of them have the, the boss EQs after. Yeah. Um, so I was always kind of fighting that. And obviously the gain is, it's, it's pretty substantial already. Yeah. And as you turn the gain up, you get more low end. Oh, you're right. Because I, I can that, hear it hear that thub. in the studio. Kind of thub. Thub. Club. Thub. It's rattling some of our, our cabs and stuff. It's still kind of dark, you know, at least in the mix. I would love playing with that, but it has to cut through the mix. Right. So when I brighten it up, there's definitely some mid-range honkiness that gets a little funky. But still, a, I mean, awesome pedal. I awesome think the pedal. settings I would, you know, would use it, you know, be drive. Yeah, drive real low. And I would just kind of let it be dark, but I'd have to brighten it up somewhere else. Right. Uh, so let's flip over, I guess, to the to the protein. And we have, let's put them all at noon since that's our, that was our thing, getting everything at noon. <laughs> Got a lot more mids. A lot more mids. Uh, taking the place of having a bossy Q pedal to bring back some of those mids. And what's interesting is uh, through the monitors, it sounds fatter. I don't know if, if, if where the low frequency kind of Q is that it got moved up with yeah. all the mods you made, but I get all what I want from a guitar without those kind of subby lows that no one needs. And they're gonna cut it out anyway yeah. in the mix. The excessive lows are gone. And you got a lot more clarity. Yep. And we have the drive at halfway. So if we crank up the drive even more, I'll turn that try to stick us at unity somewhere. I can still pick pick out a lot of the notes of the right. chords, so. Because if we were to go back here. It's almost like a fizziness that it gets, I guess, in the high end. If I if we have the spectrum up high enough to Is get the spectrum clarity. bringing in lows as well? Yeah, it can get it can get fairly fizzy, so So would you say then a lot of a lot of what you did to the protein was to kind of essentially revoice the EQ where the low end is being boosted, probably raising it up to a higher frequency than how super low it was, and then making sure the tone knob didn't get nasally when it gets turned up high enough to yeah. kind of chime through. Revoicing the lows, mids, and the highs, because it, it all was not exactly where I wanted it to be. You can still dial it in pretty bright, and yeah. it's not. Because we had that, the tone was almost all the way up there. I don't get a, it almost sounds like white noise when I turn the spectrum up on this. Hmm. 
real high, it's almost like shh. Because if I, if we, you know, this is about, I don't know, I'd say 90 degrees to the right. If I did that with this, with it, the gain on there. It's like shh, yeah. one of those noises. So I love, I love what you do with the EQ because that's, that is what really made it musical to me. Well, thank you. I did it for you. Yeah, you went the tone up all the way. I mean, it's a little too bright for me right now, but it's not ice picking. Even with it all the way off, I'm still getting more note clarity. So if I was to do that with this, yeah, I think you nailed it. Best word is is murky. So you really fixed a lot of those EQ issues. noticing that I really like is you know in the studio or front of house somebody could you know remove some of the frequencies we're talking about that are present when you mess with the spectrum knob on the nobles but it's always great I think especially if you don't know who's mixing or different things to give them as close to a finished sound as right. possible and the protein just sounds like somebody dialed in the EQ and that's Somebody really helpful. Did. It's all, wait, you, right? I think you did. So it's that classic engineering thing of like, uh, fix the source as much as possible. Don't try to fix it later with EQ as much as possible because you can hear the EQ, right? Right. And the more you have to fix, uh, I think the reason the, the protein was so helpful is, you know, if you have a pedal, even if it's awesome, that has a very specific EQ curve, you have to dial your amp in to for that, that pedal, yeah. I can't just kick it on randomly. Right. So any pedal that for me that is a little more honed in, that doesn't need as much back end adjustment, that means I can just kick it on whenever I want. I don't have to worry about resetting the amp or telling the front of yeah. house guy, hey, you know, whatever, uh, be aware of this and yeah. cut it out because it's just dialed in already. I mean, I love this pedal, but I can't get rid. I can't get away from. 
Yeah, I don't know what that. I should look and see what that frequency is. But it, it, it's can't that. Get, I can't get away from. No matter where we turn that tone knob, I can't get away from that frequency. Yep. But if we go here. See how one is a child of the parent, but very different pedals. Yep, that sounds sounds great. Well, thank you, Adam. Thanks for having me. This has been a real joy and a real pleasure. I just feel like every time we get together, it's just life giving, and um, just, I'm glad you're in my life. And if we can call it work, then we can get together more. We can call it work. In fact, we do. That's true. 